Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Piki mai kake mai and welcome to Our Changing World from RNZ. In this episode, Sonia Sly heads to the University of Auckland to meet sociology professor Kira Kremen to talk about how she became the basis of her own research and what it means to challenge gender norms. When people are walking with me and they kind of point out you know, how people are reacting. Sure, you can go to a club or some Rocky Horror event, but to see somebody casually going about their business, presenting as a woman, but nonetheless being identified as a male, I think is still very unusual. How much of what we associate with gender has been socially constructed, and what happens when someone breaks the rules? Kia ora. I'm Sonia Sly, and in this episode of Our Changing World, I meet up with Dr. Kira Kremen, a professor of sociology from Auckland University, to look at how gender has been commodified, why sexuality and femininity is threatening, and what it means to socially and politically challenge gender norms. Like, for instance, I go to the beach, tend not to wear a bikini, and might be wearing what you think was more masculine clothing. I've still got my nails, which are quite long. And red. That alone is enough to stoke those responses. So you don't have to fully dress as as I do. Those reactions come even with some minor deviation from a masculine norm. In 2016, Kira published Man Made Woman, and in it she addresses the dialectics of cross-dressing. Now, when I met up with Kira, I wanted to find out what she's discovered by becoming the basis of her research in adopting a female presentation. Feminine sexuality is something that men are fearful of, and yet men want us to present in in this manner that in our culture has been associated with sex. Let's not allow the pornography of mass commerce dictate what it means to express the erotic what sensuality is about. We need to recover this dimension to take it back from business, from commerce, to own it ourselves. And that's part of the struggle here. Identifying as a woman is not a symbol of power. Well, why do you think men are threatened by female sexuality? Because sexuality, because libido is is a force, is a power, and men in their masculinity, in how we're socialised under patriarchy, do not want to be with strong women. Women who actually can outsmart them are actually stronger and in more dominant positions than they are. What remains clear is this. Men want women by their side, but they want women to essentially be props for their own egos. And of course that's not all men. Now gender as a social construction upholds patriarchy. And we'll come back to that in a little more detail in just a moment. 
how would you describe yourself? It's not who I am as such as what I do and what I'm in the process of becoming, and the process of becoming is one that is endless. You know, I want to challenge conventions. It's not just opposing the political apparatuses of our society, the institutions, the elites. It's also about what we oppose in our daily lives and opposing the gender binary. Before you started fully presenting as a woman, I take it you were doing research into transgender or binary identities? I mean, obviously I'm a sociologist and I am interested in these things and I've read theories around these things and taught some of the theories. That, as a project, came afterwards and it was never something that I thought about doing until I dressed openly as a woman and appreciated that there's something important about this, given my standing in society and that I could make a statement. So today you're wearing stockings, pantyhose. Does it feel erotic to be putting them on compared to all those years you spent not wearing pantyhose? Absolutely not. I don't think there's any intrinsic association between delicacy uh, and being a woman. It's a certain kind of expression, flexes an idea of femininity. I love wearing pantyhose because I think they, they're very sensuous. It's a feeling that's distinctive from anything else that, as a man, you wear. I find it fascinating that Kira chooses to wear these highly feminine garments where I can count on one hand the number of times I've chosen to wear a pair of pantyhose. So how did Kira build her personal aesthetic and what does it really mean to wear these items in a society that informs how we should dress according to our gender? I'm conscious about dressing in a way that is consistent with a feminine westernised woman of a certain age uh, and body shape, people by and large do relate to me as they would any other woman. I spent all my childhood years wanting to wear these things and repressing the desire to because I felt that if I did, I'd be punished. Punished not necessarily uh, by being smacked, but by being shamed, by being ridiculed. When you have a desire for something and that desire is repressed, the desire itself doesn't go away. And, in fact, it can intensify. So, of course, you know, when, when finally you can now dress openly as a woman, you go to town, you know, I'm going to, yeah, great, I'm going to wear full makeup and dresses and pantyhose and, and to hell with it. It's incredibly liberating. So, of course, you know, I'm going to fall into styles that, as a man, I could never carry. There's not a single item that I wear that I could ever have worn as a man. I was extremely self-conscious when first stepping outside of my house. I mean, it took me decades to even pluck up the courage to do that. And everywhere I go, I'm aware that people are looking. But one of the things that I found out from doing this is that you actually become less concerned about what people think. You're concerned about what people might do, but in terms of how people are judging you, you know people are judging you in the way that perhaps they weren't before. You do develop a thick skin in that respect. It's quite liberating because you realise that actually you can dress this way. You don't have to conform to these conventions that you feel boxed in by. That said, I think that's different from somebody who is socialised to become a woman, for whom the clothes that I wear, no doubt for many women, would be considered uh, restrictive, signifiers of their own oppression in a patriarchal society.
it's relative to how we've been socialised in terms of the effect of our femininity. Now you've got some of your makeup here, so I wanted to see what was in your arsenal. Probably about up to 20 products on my, that I put on my face every morning. And then you also need a variety of those products. So you don't just have one lipstick. You have a variety of lipsticks that you wear according to, you know, how you feel that day or what you're wearing. Were you kind of surprised by the kit a woman really needs in order to, like you are saying, achieve the desired effect or a particular look every day? If I had worn makeup occasionally at home before I dressed openly, it was in a very superficial way, just minimal and a very clumsy way. But when I actually had to present my face to, to society, I had to take much more care, contouring and highlighting. I never would have done that before. Perhaps being more subtle with eyeshadows. Those first couple of weeks, I didn't wear red lipstick. It seemed too evocative, too powerful, maybe too sexual even. As time passed, I became less concerned about blending in and feeling that, no, it's actually more important to actually assert oneself. They are strongly evocative in our society. What have you found have been the challenges that you are faced with or that you kind of now realise more fully that you, you weren't cognizant of before? Femininity can be quite threatening and challenging to men. It depends on how we carry it. I have a more pronounced sense of that now, and it's difficult not to reflect on how that is affecting me. As anybody in our society represents a minority or is marginalised in some way, you're never entirely sure that the way people are treating you, how your career is being affected, is because of your gender, your race, your ethnicity. And that's something that... As someone who was, let's say, a white heteronormative male in a privileged position, uh, certainly uh, as an academic, would have read about this and certainly would have been critical of this, but I hadn't actually encountered it and I never really would have had that sense that, that my own identity, my own position here as a woman or even as a trans woman would actually cause others to behave towards me in ways that were prejudicial that I was discriminated against. And one can never be entirely sure of that. And that's the thing, is that sometimes it's obvious, often it's not, because people will not say, this is the reason why we're not going to include you. They'll give another justification. And so In what kind of reasons? There's always a reason why somebody from a minority background doesn't get a job, for instance, but it's never given the reason is because we actually have a uh, dislike of, of you in terms of what you represent as a race and ethnicity, as a gender. When you're in that position, you're only ever guessing, though, and you hope to think that that's not the case. There's a danger of one becoming paranoid. And certainly there's a lot of prejudice when it comes to trans women. Many trans women are without jobs. There are many trans women that are living on the margins of society because... They're excluded from work or they lose their jobs as a consequence. This prejudice and this discrimination is very real. 
I can't assume that that's not happening to me at some level, but because of the institution I work in, I do experience hostility. I do experience outright transphobia at times. It's not the point to render oneself, as it were, invisible by not dressing openly as a woman or trying to, what they say, is pass as a woman so that you don't suspect that I'm actually a male. Visibility is politically important, and it's certainly important for somebody in my position where I can be visible and make a statement and not be susceptible in the way that many trans women are uh, in their visibility. Which, in my mind, makes Kira's visibility incredibly political. She's challenging the norms and making a statement that in itself destabilises what's familiar and safe and a societal structure that our lives have ultimately been built around. I think it is political. There's nothing political about me dressing as a, as a woman at home. There is something political about me presenting in this way in public and articulating certain views, ideas in relation to that. So I think there's a political dimension to presenting as a woman. And that's the thing about choosing a gender identity. The majority of us don't have that luxury. So you could say that Kira has greater freedom to redefine feminine norms, and she's also had the privilege of sitting on the other side of the fence. There are few males who can write on this topic because they haven't themselves transitioned, because they don't themselves present in feminine ways. And so that puts me in a, in a relatively unique position to write on this, you know, particularly as a, as a trans woman. To draw attention to oneself can be quite dangerous, and it depends on the context in which we're in. Because you're making a choice to transition from one to the other, of course you feel more freedom some women today will feel restricted. This is the problem here, is that we conflate femininity with the fashion and beauty industry, with commodification and with subordination of women in patriarchy. We need to be careful not to assume that the fashion and beauty industry invented femininity and actually fully monopolised it. Gender is an apprenticeship where we're always learning and developing an aesthetic. Thanks for listening. That was Professor Kira Kremen from the Department of Sociology at Auckland University. And I'm Sonia Sly for this episode of Our Changing World. Now, if you'd like to find out more, head to our webpage, rnz.co.nz forward slash Our Changing World. And don't forget, you can find us as a podcast in all the usual places. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.